Wow. That seemed to be quicker than normal. It did. It did it seem did. very, very short and snappy, didn't it? But we still got the woot, so that's all that matters. The woot, woot, yeah. woot. <laughs> Aussie Craft Distillers shooting the shit. Welcome, guys. How is everybody? And um, yeah, I'm, talking, I'm, I'm talking to the audience. So there's no... <laughs> oh, fuck, well, whatever. But, yeah, they're going to answer you. Anyway, guys, uh, tonight we're uh, we're graced with the presence of Michael from the New Zealand Whiskey Company. And we're going to be talking all things whiskey tonight and all things New Zealand. Collection. 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 New Zealand whiskey collection. 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 My mistake. My mistake. And, uh, yeah, all things NZ and what's happening in uh, NZ. So, um, g'day, Michael. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, guys. Yeah, mate. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to get you on. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to hearing a bit more about what's, what's going over, what's happening across the Tasman. Um, so before we go any further, so on my left is the Todd who looks like he's working very frantically in the distillery, which he's not. If he moves his head, move your head <laughs> and forward, and you notice how he distorts. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a, it's a technique I have. <laughs> He is not in He's the actually distillery. moving really fast and just blurs. Fast, He's working that hard. Faster than me if I was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not in the shed. I'm uh, with the man, with Luke. Hello. In the, in the, uh, the cave. In the bunker. In the in bunker, bunker, in the yeah. bunker. So we're going to have a drink. Michael, are you having a drink of any sort while you're there or you've, you've had some tonight? Or Yeah, no, I've already had some. I'm drinking uh, water now, so I don't talk too much um, silly stuff. But I am actually drinking water out of an old Wilson's glass, if you can see oh. that. Oh, we start with the Wilson's. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah, I told my story um, a while ago about, about Wilson's. Um, the guts of it is during my teenage years, uh, I went north of Auckland with a group of mates and, uh, yeah, we all partied pretty hard and I partied pretty hard on, on the old Wilsons um, and swore never to touch it again. And I didn't touch a whiskey until my, in my 40s. <laughs> I had that one night which uh, scarred me immensely. So... When uh, the New Zealand Whiskey Company released the the updated uh, Wilsons, uh, what was it? It was an eighteen year, was it? That was released. Twenty one. It was the twenty one oh, year old. Tw twenty one. Oh, it was a twenty one year old release. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I got a bottle of that um, because I had to go back to the 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 furnace and see if I was going to get burned or not. Um, and yes, I got I got over my my memories. <laughs> Back in my teenage years, and uh, yeah, no, I still got it and, and still drink it. It's it's quite a pleasant drop. So, yeah. bit of bit of background. Uh, so, so on that little segue, what are you drinking tonight, you two? Um, tonight, well, I've just poured. Do you want one of these? No, I'm fine no, on that. You're fine, you're fine with that. Um, I'm on the Riverborn Ultimatum, the challenge from uh, Marty Pie at uh, Riverborn, of course. Um. Yum. <laughs> and I bumped into uh, Distiller Vic uh, mm. down there, mm. down there. And so this is Rakia. 
So he's given me two samples of rakia. So um, thought we'll um, we'll start off with that and uh, see how we go. Mm. So I might do that right now. Why Todd go says what he's up to. Alrighty. So I've got a few things. The first one's going to be, or well, the whiskey of choice is Spring Bay. Uh, Spring, Spring Bay. Bay. Right. Yep. It is nice. fine little dram. And I am going to do a bit of a boiler maker, and I'm going to use one of these. Oh, yep. yep. Crafty, do you want to just do a little bit of a sales pitch on this little baby while I try oh, I to pour know, it? I don't a sales pitch, but, uh, yeah, basically what that is is a, a originally uh, whiskey recipe mash bill was based on a stout beer. And then over the years, it evolved. That's a magic trick. Mm. It's a magic trick. He's made it disappear. <laughs> it's, it's very impressive. I'm trying to get the head. Oh, look at that. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So, craft. It makes a really good head is what I was trying to show. One of Craftworks mash bills. Uh, then turn it back into a beer, brewing with uh, Gypsy Fox, brewer mate of mine. Went down to his brewery and we, we took the mash bill and, uh, yeah. Turn it back into beer. So that's what that is. On the back can we have Bruce the Warrior Combat. Uh, uh, wombat. Bruce the, Bruce the Wombat. The Warrior Wombat. Combat Wombat. Combat Wombat. Combat Wombat. <laughs> anyway, that's enough raving about that. <laughs> so let's talk to our guests, shall we? So, so Michael. Wombat, so I am. Yeah. <laughs> so you're... You've been you've been on on the tools. You're you're in in management, so you've got quite a diverse role. Where did you start? Oh, I'm an ex winemaker uh, for a start. So yeah, um, that's, that started back in in 2006. Um, I started making wine, and I was uh, employed to start winemaking over in over in Germany. And supposed to move over there in 2014, but the guy that employed me ended up uh, passing away, unfortunately. Um, so that put a few uh, spanners in the works, and so I ended up, ended up. Uh, we, we, my wife and I decided, well, you know, what do we do? I was making wine in North Canterbury, and we thought, well, you know, do we move to Central Otago, where I'm originally from, um, and or do we continue to Europe? And we decided to continue to Europe. So. She, my wife's from Finland, so we moved over to Finland for a bit, and uh, yeah, and saw that we we're closer to Germany at the same time, and nothing really popped up, and so I was helping a mate start out a restaurant, and this um, young lady was in there helping out, and I said, well, "What do you do?" She said, "I've just left school, and I'm going to be a brand manager for a uh, for a for a new distillery that's opening up." And I said, "Oh yeah, where's the distillery?" <laughs> It was the first distillery that had opened up inside Helsinki in over 100 years. Wow. So I went along and introduced myself and they said, well, we don't have any, we don't have any money for you. Uh, you can't come work here. We'd like to employ you, but we don't have any money. I said, oh, that's all right. And I kept on coming back and just, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, they couldn't get rid of me in the end. And then they said, actually, you know what you're doing? What do you do? And I said, I'm a winemaker. And they said, well, okay, we might have to employ you then. So, yeah, <laughs> that's where it all kicked off, yeah. So what was what what drew you to distilling versus pursuing winemaking further? Why the change? Oh, when you sort of get into the industry, you're you're, you're always interested in, in um, 
you know, seeing how things evolve and, and, you know, what can you do more and what can, where can you go and, you know, what can I play around with or what can I, um, pardon my French, or, yeah, what can I bugger up next? Um, You're allowed to swear. You're allowed yeah, to swear. Yeah, love, love to experiment. Um, I, I suppose it all started off sort of the same way as, uh, as Crafty there. You know, my old man used to drink Wilson's. Um, I'm a typical Kiwi, come off a sheep farm. Uh, Dad used to drink Wilson's and he, he also drank uh, the other one, 45 Below or 45 South, uh, I should say. And, um, yeah, he, yeah, I remember going along and filling up. They used to have these five-litre flagons of Wilson's. He used to go along and fill them off the tap at the at the, <laughs> uh, at the bottle. Um, yeah, so, I, you know, and I remember asking him, you know, how do you make whiskey? You know, you know, as a as a young boy, you know, interested in what dad drinks and drinking the beer and things. He used to drink a lot of spates, and um, yeah, he said, "Oh, you know, when the beer goes bad, you can make it into whiskey." And I was like, "Geez, this is a great idea." You know, you can always make beer, be like your dad, and if it goes wrong, you can make it into whiskey and make it even better. So there was always that that, that sort of funny thing. So it's sort of when I, when I ended up in Helsinki and, and at this distillery, it was like, well, hang on, I've got an opportunity here to, to make whiskey. And, of course, I already knew. I'd already done my um, WCT diploma uh, years before when I was when I was making wine. And, and uh, yeah, I, I knew how whiskey worked. And it's just about, yeah, I, distilling's not – distilling and brewing and winemaking and, and all that is – it's all very similar when you start to play around with the tools. You're just talking about different temperatures and things mm -hmm. like that. You've all got a fermentation at some point along the way. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Um, and crossover. So yeah. then with your journey from winemaking into distilling, yeah. was whiskey always your focus or have you looked at and experimented with other distillates? Always. Oh, when you, yeah. yeah. Distilling in Finland, uh, you always have a, um, a vast range. Uh, the, the distillery that I work for, Helsinki Distilling, um, yeah, we made, we made three different types of whiskey. Gin was the biggest, of course, biggest distillate that we did. Mm -hmm. uh, we did a, um, a London dry style and a um, Navy strength. Of course, um, and they drink a lot of uh, they drink a RTD over there called Long Drink, um, which is typically done with a blood melon um, or grapefruit. Okay, right. Yep. Yeah, and uh, so we made a lot of that, a lot of gin for that, over a hundred thousand liters, mm -hmm. uh, and then yeah, started started really ramping up the whiskey scene. So I also made whiskey, then made Aquavit. I've made vodka. Um, yeah dibble dabbled in a lot of other different distillates and things that you know anyone ever came across and i think the one big thing that the guys really liked me for over there was was that the fact that you know from the winemaking side of things i lead everything with with from my nose and my palate uh, everything has to be from there so i didn't i didn't wasn't standard you know whereas the where the the owner who's now the ceo mika mukkanen is um He's always talking about, uh, you know, numbers. Everything's always about numbers. And I'm like, well, you know, depending on which way. <laughs> the, the last one I used to make was, was we were in natural winemaking. So um, it's all about moon phases. And I said, well, you know, you can do different, the same ferment seven days in a row. Um, 
yeah, four four weeks in a in a month, and you can come out with a different alcohol percentage or a different flavour. There's something slightly different there, and I always put that down to to moon phases and things. Everyone thinks a little bit crazy on that sort of side of things, but yeah. And I see, you know, so from those sort of ferments, you get different characters that come out of your stills, and you don't you don't get that from numbers. You get that from smelling and tasting along the way. Mm. I'm not talking about hoon and the booze that comes off the still. I'm talking just, just tasting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we've had a question come in from uh, Whiskey Is My Jam. Question for Michael. Uh, was Helsinki Gin redistilled neutral, uh, so purchased neutral, um, or did you distill your own neutral? Yeah, no, we, we redistilled uh Finland has, has got one of the biggest uh, alcohol manufacturers up there, Altia, who produce uh, a lot of spirit um, for a lot of different industries. We did do a trial at one point about making our own spirit. Um, <laughs> that was int interesting. Um, basically, in, in, a, in a gin distillation or a gin run, we would, we would use 700 litres of 98% of, uh, spirit. Mm -hmm. um, for us to produce... The same amount, uh, 700 litres at 98% spirit, We uh, it took us, uh, it was, yeah, seven days. So, yeah, Monday, yeah Monday, Monday to the following Tuesday <laughs> runs, we had to produce that. So we decided that that wasn't a valuable uh, use of money. So, mm -hmm. yeah, and, and the grade of spirit that comes out of, um, out of Althea is very high, yeah. Mm. So... I'm, I'm assuming you're a proponent then of uh, when using a neutral spirit, use a commercial product as opposed to creating your own. Yeah, you can you can use your own. Um, it depends on. I always say, what's your end game? What do you what do you want to achieve here, and how much money do you want to throw at it, and how much you do you want your product to to cost at at the end? Um, if you want something that's a bit more, um, you know, viable in the market or a bit more competitive, you, you, you're going to have to buy in your own, you know, buy spirit. And especially if you're in the gin market, I mean, far out, there's that, how many gins are there oh, yeah. these days? A billion. Um, if you make your own gin, you know, there's not, a, there's not enough rules and standards and stuff out there uh, yet um, mm -hmm. to say that, you know, okay, these guys here produce their own spirit for their own gin. You know, that's why their product costs this much and that's why their product tastes like this and et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, until those, those sort of standards and stuff come out there, yeah, it makes it, makes it pretty difficult. Yeah. So then it's up to the individual to really promote their, yeah. their difference, I yeah. guess. It becomes more of a, you know, your own uh, satisfaction to know that you have produced that product 100% from from raw raw materials all the way through, um, yeah, yeah. So, and that's a big thing, you know. In distillers, distillers and brewers and winemakers and things like that, that that is a big thing that you you, you do think of. So, yeah. How would how would you describe the 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 gin industry um, in NZ and and the evolution, say in the last five years? It's it's been pretty phenomenal, hasn't it, over there as well? Yeah, yeah. No, New Zealand and Australia are a little bit. Uh, I mean, I was just talking about that today. That uh, I think that Australia must be a couple of years, at least three years behind Europe, um, and then New Zealand is at least another two years behind that. So, 
you know, the gin run had already been well and truly un underway inside Europe um, yeah. before it hit New Zealand. Uh, and, yeah, the uptake inside New Zealand was huge. I mean, the uh, Greg Ramsey, our founder, bought the spirit, uh, bought the, whisk the leftover whiskey, which was originally from uh, Wilson's Distillery uh, back in 2010. And his question, you know, being from Tasmania was, well, where are all the gin where, where are all the distilleries inside New Zealand? What happened? Yeah. Um, and probably since about 2015, yeah, they've been really starting to pop up and now they're really starting to bang on it. And I mean, yeah, the, a lot of them, majority of them do produce gin, of course. Mm -hmm. So it is coming up and, and, and the growth has been large. Uh, the recent call has been saying that the 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 consumption is going down a little bit now, but that's more so to do with flavour than and, and and um, coloured gins and things like that. Yeah, your standard your standard dries, um, dry gins and things like that are still holding their own. Yeah. Right. And how yeah. do you, so do you find that they're um, produce, producing gin while they lay barrels of whiskey or rum or that sort of thing, or is it just solely gin? Yeah, there, there, there is a lot of single, singly, you know, producing um, gin distilleries over here, but there, you know, majority. Um, of whiskey producers over here will also produce a gin. Yeah, it's a good way of turnover, quick turnover at the beginning. Um, there's only, you know, a real small few of uh, distilleries over here, whiskey producers who don't, who choose not to produce gin as well. So we're not, we're not the only ones. There is a couple of others out there as well. I, I flat out refuse to produce gin. I've said that to my CEO so many times. He's tried so many times to get me there. I said, no, gin... Like, like the um, in the prohibition where the old the old ducks used to say that uh, spirit will not touch these lips, I say mm -hmm. that gin will not touch these stills. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you've got a bit of whiskey in, in the uh, in the bond stores, and uh, you're you're in a good position on that front. So, yeah, yeah, yeah it's 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 not a cash way. Yeah. Thing on yeah. So, so how do you find it? So we've just hit um, uh, excise increase uh here and uh what are we now over a hundred dollars over a hundred dollars allow uh from yeah. august yep yeah yep so from august one so now the the price of beer uh and uh well all and, and spirits one that is going up mm. uh, what's the excise situation in new zealand it has just increased I've, i can't remember the number off the top of my head just now um yeah, it has just increased again. It increased last year. A lot of people were wondering why it keeps on increasing. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, we just had New Zealand's first um, distillers um, conference, and the, the thought is that it could be the drive behind the, the WTO. Um, you know, they, right. they had... They had a lot of things against, you know, tobacco and smoking and things. And, and, you know, what's the next big thing, you know, that they're going to try and hit out a heart against? And, of course, alcohol is a, is a spirit. It's a drug. It's a, it causes a lot of issues um, around the world, a lot of health problems. But, you know, generally, I think most governments will agree that, it, you know, everyone likes, it, you know, a social drink every now and then. It's about teaching people about um you know healthy consumption and stuff so it's not about going out there and, and being a being a teenager or a student and 
you know, getting absolutely off your trolley and shooting a couple of funnels or stuff. But, um, <laughs> yeah. It's, we have all been there, yes. So, you know, the, the tax, yeah, the tax laws and things like that, you know, I think that they're going to keep on increasing, unfortunately. Mm. Um, yeah, well, I've just yeah, done a little yeah. bit of uh, Googling just to mm. do a comparison out of interest. Yeah. So I realize <laughs> the excise rate pre um, June 30, 2023 was $58 and uh, let's say $58.20. Mm. NZ. NZ. Yep. Um, and it's gone up to $64.50. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's quite a jump. Yeah. So. Yeah, that that's that's per Lau. Yep. Which is, uh, I mean, geez. it's not Australia, no, but it's definitely it's going. Australian. Yeah, no, yeah. No, but it's still, yeah, it's it's everything's going up. Yeah, mm. yeah. Okay, and so with with the, um, you, know, you talk about consumption and um, you know just slamming it back, and and the, the, there's a change, there's a real cultural thing. You're your, um, your 18 to 30-year-olds. Um, over there, is the, is the trend consume less but consume better quality? Is that becoming more of the thing or is it still very much um, an evolution? I think, yeah, I think it's very much still an evolution. I think Kiwis are still trying to yeah, – still, you know, there's a lot of people out there – Pretty much to say that uh, that they're still learning, you know, they're still learning about spirits and in, in itself, and learning about gin. Like there's still because New Zealand's still so far behind the rest of the world that you know you can go out there and, and people can still say that they don't like gin, um, yeah. and you go, okay, well, why don't you like gin? And, and then they get and then they figure out finally, you know, and they've, they've found out gin. Well, then there's that whole population of people that have found out what gin is but they're looking for something else you know and they, they reach into the rum side of things or then they're going into the whiskey and so they're still trying to really figure out you know and and then that side of things because they've you know you've done the whole craft beer you've done the um the craft cider you've done the natural wine so what's next you know i think people are still searching for something new all the time and and i mean yeah i would say that Consumption of whiskey is starting to go up in, in New Zealand, but it's not it's, it's not going to um, you're not going to see world records inside your bank. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So your bond stalls are not going to be cleaned out too quickly. No, 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 no. It's still. I think it's more so from Europe side of things that, are, that the people are starting to really search uh, outside of. They're not drinking. They're not looking for scotch so much anymore. They, they know what scotch is. They know about the the different regions of Scotland and things, they're trying to look for something different now. And they've realised, you know, I think there's that real revolution now where people are trying to figure out, you know, what's what's going to be next? Where 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 can I search from from next? You know, I don't think anyone ever thought that Taiwan was going to bring out an amazing whiskey. Mm. For a start, you know, like, you know, look how big Kavalan's got. It's, yeah. It's yeah, or or Israel. Yeah, like, yeah, the world's yeah. best. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. So, do you think there? What? 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 Then, is the New Zealand draw? Is it? Is it that um, 
it's made by hobbits uh, <laughs> or... It's very um, insulting, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. Well, Dave Broom was over here back in um, back in when was it March, April, um, for Dramfest, and he did a, a New Zealand's first tour of, of whiskey, and he still he still hasn't finished off his memoirs yet of his tour. Um, he's done, I think, most of it. He just hasn't finished off the tail end, which is which includes ourselves in there. Um, and he was trying to find something similar, and he said that. One of the big things that he uh, found very common is that every single distillery said, this is not scotch. Um, <laughs> we're, not, we're not trying to make scotch. We're just trying to be ourselves. Yeah. Um, we've all got this unique uh, or this distinct thing where you know, we're just trying to do our own thing. Um, but he did find a consistent um, character through all the different distilleries. And he said, it's just this fat on the mid palate and, and, and that and that comes from the from the malt from New Zealand. Um, now we yeah we do we do grow very good grain here inside New Zealand. Yeah, I will say so. Yeah, right. Um, but so, yeah, sorry. Can, can you elaborate on the on that fat on the mid palate? What what yeah, do you mean yeah. by that? What am I tasting or feeling? It's just it's just this. He just said, yeah. Well, that's what we all tried to ask Dave. You know, what, what do you mean? <laughs> by that? Are you talking about? You're talking about like the oiliness of fat. Are you talking about yeah. the weight of fat, or are you just talking about the breadth of fat? And he goes, "Well, yeah, it's sort of everything. It's it's just this broadness across the mid palate, you know, that seems to evolve." Um, so yeah, that's that's sort of what right. he was about it. Yeah. And of course, you'd all be cutting differently, so um, yeah. it's not that. So yeah, it's it's the underlying base material, the barley. Yes, yeah, it all comes back to the barley. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, have you played around with yeast? Uh, in the distillery here inside uh, NZ? Oh, no, not really. Um, I haven't had the chance because our stills are set up inside. Uh, we, we lease space from, from Spates Brewery, which is right. on Boulogne. Yep. Um, and so we have a certain amount of restrictions about what we can do there um, because it's overseen by Lion. Yeah. Um, so we can't do anything, you know, extreme but yeah in the previous distillery i worked in in helsinki distillery i was able to play around with lots of different yeasts and i did play around with a lot of different yeasts i used wine yeast i used beer yeast i used distillers yeast and everything yeah so yeah and i have and from those trials uh i came down to you know sort of five main sort of yeast that i use and i'm not going to tell you which ones they are yeah. <laughs> but i have used no one, one of those no one's listening it's fine nobody will know <laughs> but, I, but I will say one, you know, uh, if you want to get a very good, uh, if you find a, a different, there is difficult, difficult uh, grains out there. Um, and, you know, if you're looking for a high ABV wash, um, Lelleman Distillamax is, is like, yeah, it's, it's the, I call it the cannibal yeast. It's amazing. Um, that's that's my only real distiller's yeast that I'll go to if I use the distiller's yeast. Um, that produces right. a, a very good high ABV. No matter which grain you use, it will it will annihilate everything. You don't need to inoculate it or do all that sort of silly stuff. You just throw it in there, and it it might have a sluggish. It always has a sluggish start, but mate, in three days it's done. <laughs> so sorry, what was that one called again? Lelaman Distiller Max. 
Lalamand. Yeah. Yeah. I have not heard that one. Uh, it's uh, distiller's yeast. Yeah. yeah. It's propagated specifically uh, yeah. for, for distilling. <laughs> Lalamand yeast. Mm. There you go. So what's used especially for rye, which is hard to extract from. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. So secret I'll give you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. The night is young. <laughs> tease more. We can tease more out. <laughs> what I was going to say, Michael. So your role, your your title is is quite a unusual um, uh, title. So just talk about that and give us a rundown of what's a typical day. A week uh for you and yeah and then talk about your team and and yeah what what goes on what goes on behind the scenes <laughs> tell them get on you mark <laughs> uh yeah how high my abv is in my wash so mm. i can get it up to around about 11 to 13 percent wow um, yeah but i also do very long fermentations as well um, yeah right yeah uh yeah, huge <laughs> which is an interesting <laughs> one uh yeah so the team so my my role here is general manager and uh head distiller um i'm also the i've no I, I never call myself i would never call myself a master distiller uh i have never done the course and i believe that you need to have at least 20 years behind you as a distiller or more to become a master distiller so I'll always call myself a head distiller. I, I could call myself, I suppose, a master blender because I have been blending wines for quite a, quite a lot of years. Yeah. Um, so I also do all the blending and things like that as well. We're a very small team. Um, there's only there's only three uh, full-time people here, uh, which is myself, the marketing and sales manager, who's AKA my wife. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we also have uh, an office... Uh, person who comes in five days a week um, and then we have a couple of temps who come in and help out as well we also have a part-time distiller we still have Cyril Yates on the all right yep yep Cyril's yeah. still kicking around yeah Cyril who's still uh, who was the last distiller at uh, Willow Bank or Wilson's Distillery so yeah he, he's he's yeah he still puts his hand up if uh, we get caught out and comes in and helps out I call him my boy but he's uh, he is 60, 65 this year, yeah. So, yeah, um, a normal day and tail uh, depends on which way we're going. Uh, for, for making, producing spirit, um, I tell the guys down at Spates watch, which uh, wash I want to produce. Uh, I'll get. I'll already order. You know the uh, the malt from from. Uh, we we're one hundred percent Gladfield, right? Um, yeah. And because I'm you know typical sheep farmer or thing. I, I believe in um, origin of produce, so I like to know where my grain comes from, and I like to, like to be able to go back and know where I can get you know where my grain comes from, um, which I can find out from Doug and Gabby if I need to. Um, and so I ordered the malt off them. It comes down to Spates. They they make up the wash for me. Um, uh, that takes seven days. We're a seven-day mash uh, and, and ferment. Uh, and then I go down the following Monday uh, if, if I go down and distill it or then I can get Cyril to come up. So, yeah, we can, depending on how fast or what the regime is, uh, usually we, we, we can cut our, our wash, which is about 14, um, 
14,000 litres. We do that in four days. So we've got uh, a wash still, which is 2,800, and a um, spirit still, which is 1,800 litres. Right. Um, yeah. And then the spirit we bring back here, back to Omaru. So it's uh, an hour and 20 minutes north of Dunedin. And yeah, yeah put it down in the barrels. Yeah, here. Um, yeah. And I cut, cut all the spirit down in Dunedin um, using the, the famous um, Spates water, which comes from this, the spring underneath Spates distillery. So that's a great sound. <laughs> that was subtle, subtle. <laughs> just getting off some subtle gas. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> Very convenient. <laughs> and we have a we have a range of different barrels in, uh, here. We're probably I would say the most diverse um, distillery as far as barrels goes uh, in New Zealand. We have a good partnership or a friendship together with um, with our CEO's friend just outside of Michigan, Journeyman Distillery, which is uh, America's biggest organic distillery. Right. And uh, we get uh, 55 litre and 110 litre barrels off them, ex-bourbon, ex-bourbon, ex-rye. Um, then, of course, we have the, the standard Kentucky bourbons, 200 litre, which, um, yeah, which we use for Woodford, Woodford Reserve. And then we have all the wine barrels, so your 225s and 228s and things like that. So, yeah. Um, and so you're, you're then you have all that silly admin stuff to do with uh, being a GM. <laughs> a lot of emails and discussions and phone conversations, which always and get in the way. But it's all about the smell and the taste. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where are you about to say, Crafty? Yeah, I was just going to say, so, so you mentioned you're using uh, wine barrels. So is that a is that quite a, a big part of the portfolio with, with, your, with your cask wood? And... Do you, do you basically go in straight from the wineries, the, the wet fills, or are you looking to... Yeah, to... We, do, we do a range of different things. Of course, um, I mean, the, the the original spirit, which was purchased by the... Or the original whiskey, which was purchased by the Prestons family um, back in 97 when Seagram sold to Foster's, uh, they bought 500 barrels and moved it um, up here to Omaru. Um, and put it in, that was how whiskey sort of came to Omaru. Uh, they were from a winemaking background and they smelt through the 500 barrels. They thought that at least half of the barrels were a bit tired. So they racked out half the barrels and um, they had nowhere else really to put them except into wine barrels. And so I think, you know, it hasn't been really, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, looked into or <laughs> so much so, but we, th we think that they were probably the first people to actually put whiskey into wine barrels itself. I mean, they've always, people have always put whiskey into, into export and ex-sherry and everything like that, but directly into a wine barrel is a, is a really unheard of thing. So they sort of thought that they would sell that, you know, over the next 10 years or so, you know, or five years or so. And, um, yeah, 13 years later, they realised that was a bit, obviously, getting um, taking a bit longer than they thought. Uh, they decided to opt out of it. And that's where Greg came in with his um, with a group of guys and bought the last of that. Uh, fast forward quite a few years later into 2020 um, and just after COVID, uh, and that's when my wife and I came in and we did a lot of marketing and things on it, and we ended up selling out of the last of that. 
that Dunedin double cask, which was originally known as Dunedin double wood, yes. um, and the Omaruvians and stuff like that, which were the, the main base of that was the Wilson's whiskey, which was a um, 3070 um, yeah, um, mash bill. Mm. And we sort of thought, well, what do we, you know, discuss with Greg, what are we going to do now? And we said, well, okay, let's keep these main, these, these names have become brands of their own. So we need to continue them. And I was like, oh, crikey. So what am I going to do here? I need to try and create this style, the same style. So, you know, did, did as a winemaker would do, tasted the, uh, you know, the last ones. So, for example, the Dunedin Double Cask um, had it, the last release of that was an 18 year old. So, it had been 14 years inside, um, or um, four years inside a ex bourbon and 14 years inside a red wine cask. Right. So it had created this real sherry character. And I'm like, okay, there's a shortage of sherry casks in the world at the moment. <laughs> the price of a sherry cask is exuberant. What am I going to do here? Um, there was When I came to work here, there were some old Pinot barrels that were out the back. <clears throat> um, they had just been sort of purchased and sort of left there. They'd had a plastic cup stuck in the bung. Um, so they'd oxidised to all buggery, really. Uh, and I thought, you know, that's... That's exactly what sherry is. It's just an oxidized wine, and you're paying an exuberant price for an ox oxidized wine barrel <laughs> from yeah. Spain. So why not just put the whiskey inside an oxidized barrel? Yeah, and that's where the whole yeah. sort of thing came from. So, so yeah, um, you know, using your tools that you've got. So I, I took a punt, and and that's where I came out with the, with the uh, Dunedin Double Cask NAS. Uh, which is currently selling, of course, over in Dan Murphy's and things. And, um, yeah, it's gone really, really well. Uh, the the fruit characters you get from that, so an, an oxidised Pinot Noir cast, so it, it tightens it up. It does all that things, you know, you get that tightness from the sherry. So you get the 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 rhubarb, the the uh, red currants and the pomegranate kind of character. But then also, so that's not to punt it, so I do have a bottle of that there. So that's the Dunedin, Dunedin double cask. Right, yeah. <laughs> Um, the other one, the next one up is the Revolution. Yeah, so that wow. one here, uh, the Omarubian Revolution is 46%. And the way that you get that difference, so that was, um, I played around with uh, fresh Pinot Noir casks. So um, that's three and a half years inside a uh, bourbon, ex-bourbon cask, and then one and a half years inside a fresh Pinot Noir cask. So you get more of the, the raspberries and the... And the mm strawberries characters coming out it's a bit more sweeter but also higher abv so um that's so are you are you continuing now to to oxidize barrels yes to, yeah so you're so you're taking a red wine barrel pinot noir you're oxidizing it just yep. in the bung and letting the air in and yeah, just let the air in. yeah. Just how long it. how long does that sort of take to hit the sweet spot <laughs> it, it depends how hot the temperature is inside the cellar. It wouldn't dry very fast at the moment. <laughs> it's about eight degrees out there. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, <clears throat> during the during the summer months, it doesn't take that long. I mean, um, yeah, you're not going to go out. You have to pick your pick your wineries and things as well. Know your wineries, know the woods that they use as well. Um, that's another big thing because you have to you have to think of the um, the different forests that they're getting their woods from because there's tighter grains out there. That's, that's Mark saying. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. 
So they're going to pour the Dunedin double cask at the Melbourne Whiskey Show this weekend. Good stuff, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you you have to you have to know your wineries. Know know what they're going to, what woods they're using, what cast they're using, um, and things like that. Yeah, and you you just just leave the bung out and let it dry. Um, make sure you wash all the all the <laughs> the leaves out at the bottom. You know all the gunky stuff. Yeah, yes. That yeah, is that where all the flavour is. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's where the funky funky <laughs> where the funk comes from. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah. Funk is flavour, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry, fat is flavour. I have I have thought about doing that. What are you moving over to, guys? Oh, um, well, I've I've just gone and grabbed some some long raised dark soda uh, out of the fridge. Shameless plug, but it's awesome. Um, and I was actually going to pair that with um, with I am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I've so I've cracked Crafty's latest release, I am, which is your biggest one yet, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Thousand or bottles. Once the rule bottle. Once the rule bottle. Once yeah. the bottle. In time. Yeah. In time. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pair that with the um, yeah, with the long rays. I reckon that'll go well. Mm. So by the by the sounds of it, Michael, your your wine being a winemaker and your appreciation of casks and and um, handling of casks that's that's a big part of what you're doing now, isn't it? it it's your wood mm. policy is it, it's an important part of your of your role. Yeah, for sure. I mean, as a winemaker, you yeah. Depending on what style you want your wine to be, you pick your, your different casts according to it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you should always think about that as a distiller for sure. Yeah. If you want something, you know, yeah, you're not gonna. If you want something to age faster, you got to be careful about what what you know what casks and stuff that you use and what forests you you know the, where the wood comes from. So you got to think about the porosity of the wood and things. So, you know, that, speaking that, of um of aging and accelerated aging is mm -hmm. that something that you're coming across in new zealand a bit more people trying to um yeah accelerate the aging process uh through artificial means mm, not that i really know of um not in the same sense as what i've what i've learned and heard of about and over there in australia um yeah the, I, the only Thing that yeah, well, I mean we, we get casts from um, Master Cask as well, the, the little twenty liter ones, but we only use them for for uh, private cask people, so that they they can you know purchase their own cask and say this is my cask and it's a little mm -hmm. twenty liter. Um, yeah. I generally advise all those guys not to take it further than three years. I find that the uh, liquid to wood ratio is is very of course is extremely high. Um, you know, but it's all up to them. If they love the flavour, if they really love that, you know, deep heart woody uh, character. And there is a there is a client that we do have who loves the taste of um, chewing on matchsticks. Right. Yeah. It's been inside the barrel now for five years and it just tastes like Ooh. wood. So, uh, um, <laughs> but, you know, that, that's that's what he likes. And, so and He's basically going to tip the whiskey out and chew on the staves. That's right. <laughs> so it's sort of 
that's one of the big things that you know I always get across from people. You know, they always when you're a winemaker, they always say, oh, "What's your favorite wine?" And people, when you become a distiller, everyone says, "Oh, what's your favorite spirit?" or "What's your favorite whiskey?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, what I like isn't necessarily what you like. You know, your palate is your palate, my palate's my palate. You know, and it's all about tasting." Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, no accelerated rates. No, not really. We're sort of. I think New Zealand's more all about um, being aware of their climate that's around them um, and understanding and trying to reduce the amount the angels pinch off us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I always, <laughs> I always say, you know, you've got to watch out for the devil's share as well, especially if the barrel's really dry. You might, yes, want, to yeah. think, you might, might want to think about rehydrating your barrel, otherwise the devil's definitely going to take all of it. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, up in the North Island, they get a they get a, a very high um, evaporation rate up there, Angel Shear, and the same thing over in Central, over in Kadrona, because um, the extreme temperatures between summer and, and winter. We're here. We're we, you know we're pretty we're pretty mild. We have about eight percent here in Sodomaru. So. Yeah, yeah, it's not not too bad, and we're only we're only two hundred meters from the from the sea from the big big pond. A Scotsman yeah. would still be upset about that as an angel share, though, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, now uh, I can I can show you a sneaky peek. I drew this out of a barrel um, just uh, last week on Monday. Actually, that's a that's a two and a half year old ex bourbon. Um, I drew it out and my son was standing next to me and he goes, what's wrong, Dad? You look worried. And I said, well, actually, I'm, <laughs> I'm not worried. I think that every Scotsman that would see that would be, um, yeah, would be, you know, jumping around like a little leprechaun, <laughs> um, you know, with excitement because it's, it was so dark. Yeah. Mm. Uh, a lot of so you said that's, that's only two years old? That's two and a half years old, yeah. Yeah, wow. From a bourbon barrel. From an ex-bourbon barrel, yeah, it's one of the it's the second cast that I laid down uh, back in February twenty one. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And how does it taste? Yeah, pretty, pretty good, <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's sixty one percent. It it doesn't have any burn on it either, which is uh, very right. surprising. Um, so yeah. will that be a, a, a imminent release, or do you think it needs more time, more finishing off in something else? What's your plan for that? Leave it alone. <laughs> yeah, just leave just it for leave a bit longer. Yeah, I yeah for sure. I'm I'm in some things. I'm still a little bit of a traditionalist, and I'd like to leave it for three years. Um, yep. There is there is some barrels there that you could bring out, with, you know, earlier. Like you know, we have inside as Australia. We followed the same as Australia. We decided that we'd call whiskey um, whiskey after two years. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, definitely in the fifty fives. You could you can do that. The hundred and tens, of course, they take a little bit longer, and of course, as you go up in size, they take a little bit longer again. So, um, yeah, as far as I'm aware, we're the only distillery so far that uses. Uh, no, there, there is also divergence. Divergence outside of Christchurch also uses fifty fives and one tens as well. So, mm. yeah. And are you releasing those as like single barrel releases, or you are blending those? Yeah, we haven't started releasing the spirit that I've distilled, uh, or I should say Cyril and I have distilled um, yet. Uh, we have been looking at when we're going to do that. 
Uh, we're yeah. starting to get extremely low on our, some of our, our other stocks. Um, so, yeah, our CEO's over here at the moment. We had a big discussion about that today uh, when we're looking at Willys. And, yeah. Mm. So, thing, good things coming. Yes, good Your things, things coming. coming. Your things coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, we are looking at doing a release very shortly. There's already in the shows this year. Um, we're doing uh, the South Island Single Malt NAS. Uh, a lot of people know us. I've actually got one behind here. So the, that's the South Island Single Malt 25-year-old, uh, 25 which is from the, from the Wilsons. Uh, yeah. We also have the South, we've just done the South Island Single Malt NAS, which looks very similar, but it doesn't have the 25 up the top. So we've been doing this in tastings through the Whiskey Live uh, and Whiskey Shows around Australia. Uh, it will get released in Dan's uh, very shortly. Um, oh, wow. Strange. Yeah. The, it's so what's the oldest Australian release that we're aware of? I mean, 25 years is... That's all. Sullivan, Sullivan's Cove did a 21-year-old, I think, a couple years ago. Yeah. 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 That's, that's wow. the oldest one I know of. Yeah. Cradle Mountain. Maybe. There you go. Another, another shameless yeah. plug for the whiskey club thing. <laughs> Lucky, Lucky ticket, ticket holders. You go. Uh, Lucky ticket holders for Taz Whiskey Week, uh, Taz versus New Zealand event. Some of the first to try the new whiskey. Yeah. There you mm -hmm. go. The, how, how do I get to be a lucky ticket holder? Uh, <laughs> I just have to show up you have and to go to the event. buy a ticket? Or is there a certain number? Of I thought that it was sold out, actually. Um, yeah, that's... Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to mention names. I'm sure I can. But that's Mark T from uh, Whiskey is My Jam. Yeah, he's holding the event down in Tassie. Um yeah, and it's it's sold out. But I'm sure if you guys wanted to do a uh, spontaneous fly down there, he'd probably find you a piece of carpet he could pull out. Yeah, <laughs> sold us. <laughs> sold out in caps weeks ago. You <laughs> make an exception. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so he's got some, he's got some pretty awesome whiskies in that lineup. Yeah, and yours amongst them. So, yeah. um, yeah. so what? With the industry growing in, in New Zealand, new distillers coming up, are there any that you're sort of looking at going, oh, they're doing something interesting? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Just not um, <laughs> <laughs> No, they're, I mean, they're all doing. I mean, we're such a small community. You know, we, we try to shout out as much as we can when we're, when we're travelling around, Laura and I travelling around, talking. You know, it's, it, it's nice to get your products out there, but you're trying to create this... Um, this uh, awareness of New Zealand whiskey. So we do talk a lot about, you know, Thompson and Waiheke, Cadrona, um, Pocono, for example. Uh, yeah, and, and there are some really great whiskies out there. Yeah, I really love, I really love Matt's um, Manuka Smoke. Um, I think that his, um, oh, what was it called? What, that crazy name that he called it. Oh, I've forgotten the name off the top of my head. Um, yeah, uh, Sightgeist. I really loved the Sightgeist that he did. Um, and his mixed tape is also very good. Uh, the guys out of Waiheke, wow, far out. I mean, you know, um, they've got their rich caramels, salty caramels. They've got their big peat 
um, heat monsters and stuff uh, they're doing there. Um, Matt Johns um, out of Pocono, his his recent releases, especially with his Totra barrel, um, you've got to get your hands on some of that. That's uh, that's really special. Um, wow. He just did from there, you know. <laughs> you know, looking in diversity from using oak because there's so much oak that's getting used in, in the industry out there and the, between the wine and the, and the distilling industry, uh, he decided he wanted to try something different. And he, and I was he decided, going to ask you if people, yeah, you if people had started to try New Zealand natives. Yeah, and he, and he so decided to Yeah, and Totra Woods even more rarer than hen's teeth, so... Um, so, so what, he, wanted do, he wanted to do that as a New Zealand first because uh, you're right. it's, a, it's a wood that the indigenous people, the Māori, used, of course, for their wakas and and for building, you know, a lot of their um, their marais and things with. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a very uh, that that cast that he did number one release is very special. I, I was supposed to try and catch up with Matt. Uh, day before yesterday when I was up in Auckland uh, to try. He just did a, a second and third release, so his third release, which is uh, using a winter barley. Um, I'm really, uh, yeah, into trying those those sorts of things. So yeah. I, I didn't get a chance to try that, so, but I, I awesome. know that. Yeah. And, of course, Cadrona just bought out their, um, their next release, which is called Falcon. Um, so they, they did their first release. Uh, they, their original idea was to release after 10 years, um, but then they released, they did a special release after year three, which was called Just Hatched, and then they had Growing Wings, and then, you know, they've done s- subsequent releases after that, and they've, now they've just bought out the, the full bird, so they've called it, obviously, Falcon. Um, wow. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, to wow. Try it. Yeah. wow. Yeah, 10 years to wait to get your first product out. That's a, that's a big ask. <laughs> Yeah, which is interesting. I mean, everyone always butts you up against, you know, scotch and saying, well, you know, to become whiskey, it has to be at least a five-year-old release or a 10-year-old release. And it's like, well, we're not making scotch here. You know, you you have to try and con- convince the punter that you're not making scotch. And, you know, in Scotland, the climate's a lot different than what it is here. So, and we're using smaller barrels, so you can age things a lot quicker than what you can in Scotland. You don't need... You don't need ten years or five or ten years. You can you can produce something that's really amazing or equally as good as a ten year old, you know, in three or five years. So. Mm. Now in NZ, there's a very strong Scottish community, particularly down your way, isn't there? Yeah. So uh, how how does the the local Scottish community embrace, or do they they still very much have a, a foot in the Scottish camp and going, uh, this is no Scotch. <laughs> we we haven't really approached them if I'm completely honest. I mean that they are there and they're they're interested. Um yeah, I've, I've been thinking I should probably contact Olston House and uh, we we have a we have quite a bit ourselves uh, NZ Whiskey has a lot to do with uh Larnet Castle. Um, right. Yeah. So we yeah, we uh they have a Larnet Castle whiskey which uh we produce for them and manage for them. So um yeah, and we produce on behalf of them. I find out what their styles are and what they like, and, and like trying to continuously produce what they what they like every year. Um, so, no, that's that's been good. Um, yeah, I think there's still a lot to work on there. Uh, yeah, but 
I would, I would say that uh, yeah, it's just part of the evolving community, really. Uh, you know, about getting getting New Zealand whiskey out there and getting the people to understand it a lot more. New Zealand's definitely uh, a lot more Scotch than than Australia. We're a lot more. You know, we're not going to get that gorse out of our pockets. That's for sure. You got to you got to do a lot of convincing. <laughs> yeah, that's probably because they both got funny accents. I reckon that that's probably the reason. Now you're insulting me. I look. I can't yeah. help it. I can't help well, it. As the only outnumbered, so shut the fuck up. <laughs> as the only Australian in the room, I've got to, you know, overcompensate. As is my genetic nature. To overcompensate. <laughs> yeah. To overcompensate. That's the one. Yeah. I'm owning it. I'm owning it. <laughs> <laughs> You're just looking at me like you fuck with. <laughs> <laughs> so, so have you played around with um, Pete in your distillery? And if so, no, unfortunately not. That's that's one of the uh, the downside or one of the small downsides of being inside a line operation. Zero um, percent contamination. Right. Um, no. Uh, my ways of doing peat and what I, how I'd like to do peat uh, doesn't quite go down with the plant that that well. Um, we can do it, but the the PPMs would be so low on it that uh, yeah, after two three years yeah. inside, it would be it, yeah, it'd be just as a very back taint. So yeah, I haven't had that chance yet. We we discussed with a lot of um, breweries, and we looked at purchasing a brewery at one point, and um, our own small microbrewery, and installing that inside Spates at one point. We've uh, talked to different breweries about uh, doing the mash bill for us because, of course, we can pump, then pump the wash up to the up to the distillery. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, after COVID, yeah, everyone just went in tenfold uh, production. Yeah. So. Yeah. We're, we're, we're still sort of hanging out there going, oh, crikey, we should, we should really get onto this one day. But, yeah, I'm a big uh, I'm a big grain-for-grain grain person. Uh, yeah, I just love to taste whiskies that taste like grain. Mm. So, yeah. so is there an uh, uh, appreciation for uh, terroir uh, in New Zealand and are a lot of distilleries actively working to promote New Zealand Taiwan? Um, I think it's been a thought out, especially since Waterford started doing it. Um, when I first found out that Waterford were doing it, I bit my lip and almost stubbed my toe. Um, <laughs> I did a big project with uh, Helsinki Distillery um, when I was up there. Uh, I had, We were very fortunate. Uh, Viking Malt, uh, of course, originates out of Finland uh, and I know I got to know the guys really well and I talked to them about doing um, malts of origin uh, was what I called it and we were you know they've got a lot of bedrock granite up there uh, and different types of granite so I wanted to get different grains from different sites around Finland Um, and then also because of course Viking malt had uh, expanded quite a lot they had their they were saying well we can get malt from you know down in Latvia Lithuania um, Estonia, so we've got different bedrocks and things there, so it was going to be something that was really exciting um, but of course then COVID bit, I got the phone call about my father and that's how I ended up back here inside New Zealand, so quickly shot home, saw him before he passed and 
you know, that's when the whole world sort of shut down and, and, um, and yeah, then I travelled around and caught up with these guys once New Zealand opened up. Um, and by the time I got back to Finland, you know, just trying to catch up uh, on production and then Greg, the CEO, contacted me here and said, hey, can you, can you come down here and be our distiller? So <laughs> packed up the house like a turtle and, uh, yeah, turned around and moved back here in December 2020. So never got that project underway. And until I was over in Whiskey Life Paris last year, um, yeah, got to talking to the Waterford guys and, uh, yeah, they, they'd just done all their release of their, their spirits of origin there with Tiwa. Um I still believe that it's a very big thing, and I have thought about, you know, trying retrialing that here. Um, I think that uh, quite a few of the other distilleries are also talking about it. It's a big thing for the wine industry, of course, yeah. and there is there is a few people now that are popping up in the distilling industry that are from winemaking backgrounds. So I don't know, I don't think it's going to be that far off. Uh, I don't think we're going to be the first. So I think that yeah, someone's definitely going to jump on that bandwagon pretty fast. Mm. Yeah, it is interesting. I mm. mean, we obviously we're huge fans of of Waterford and everything that they do. Crafting's uh, got his own tailor project underway, as mm. have others. Yeah, as have others. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, certainly, yeah. It's a it's smaller scale. It's um, it'll be very interesting to start doing, um, uh, well, tastings of of all these projects. Hopefully, in the next sort of five years. Yeah, I'd probably say the biggest distillery that's that could that'll be sort of almost doing it themselves are old distillery down at Scotts Gap, um, just just north of um, of Invercargill. Uh, they haven't released a whiskey yet, but they've done a lot of um, yeah, they've done their uh, they've done their gin releases and they're doing their uh, new make spirit releases on their different grains and things. So they're a, they're a farm on their own. So they're, they're doing all their, uh, they're a little bit, a lot like draft milk, for example. Mm. So um, yeah, they're, they're doing all their different grains and then trialing out different grains and doing lots of different things. So mm. yeah, they've got different soil types and things down there as well. So I would say that they'd be the first probably to do it when they eventually release their whiskey. Now, what I would be really interested in would be a a Belgrove Tewa versus a New Zealand Tewa uh, sheep shit release. <laughs> Smoking it with sheep shit. Smoking it with sheep shit. Yeah, I think the man's got a claim claim on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've got you've got the Tassie sheep. And yeah. Then you've got, you've got, well, there's a lot more sheep in New Zealand, so there's a lot more sure sheep in New Zealand. So I don't think it's a volume of question. <laughs> <laughs> but different. Yeah. Do you use the same sheep, the same species of sheep, to be able to do this, or do you use, or do you no, alternate? It wouldn't, it wouldn't be. I I honestly don't think it would matter at that point. The fact that it's sheep shit is all that is really necessary there. So you're talking about terroir and sheep shit. Yeah. So would you use you know? Dry, dry, dry grazing um, sheep over an, over an Aussie versus dry grain terrain uh, sheep here inside New Zealand. Oh, like yeah, no. The, uh, look, up, I I <laughs> I admit I hadn't thought of it that much in that great of detail. Oh, so here we go. Here we go. Uh, it's abuse of New Zealand sheep. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, it's called marinating. Anyway. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. And the marinated stuff is the stuff New Zealand gives back to Australia, isn't it? Oh. That's, that's correct. That's why you Excellent get quality. <laughs> oh. uh, we've descended into sheep on the New Zealand podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know if in New Zealand with allowed dried sheep dung in their peat smoker. Why no, not? It's natural. Yeah, a couple of clothes dries. It's fine. That's how, yeah, that's yeah. how Pete does it. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so besides sheep shit, besides terroir, what excites you, Michael, uh, about whiskey? What, what what really gets your juices going? For me personally, or as in the industry itself, or um... well, probably in both actually. Yeah, you personally, and then yeah, what what you think in the industry? Ah, uh, for me, for me personally, I just like a um, a whiskey that tastes like whiskey. Uh, I think that. Uh, yeah, we've gone full circle with all the different finishes and things. There's there's so many different finishes out there, and, and there's going to be a whole lot more. Um, and there is some good ones, and there's also bad ones, and then there's over-the-top ones. But I just like whiskey to be whiskey and and, and, and good whiskey made right. Um, and that's always been my motto, sort of, even even in winemaking. Um, you know, there's so much shit out there. Um <laughs> But yeah, my my the, the thing that really floats my boat is uh, is just uh, grain, you know, whiskey to taste like grain. Um, grain whiskey, yeah. Right. To be able to taste the grain and and um, and not over extracted or under extracted, just well balanced, uh, smooth. Um, yeah, there's a lot of them. I mean, yeah. Um, they've been, I think one of the biggest ones that sort of got me going recently was when I was up in, um, Brizzy, uh, I got to, I went through the different, um, wine bar, or whiskey bars and stuff that were there. And there was the, the Ben Riash, uh, malting season, um, number two. And that was, yeah, that was outstanding for me. I just thought, you know, I need to, I need to get my hands on some of that. So yeah. I've been trying to buy that up and that's been, it's become pretty rare as well. Um, yeah, that's sort of my, my style and I, and, and I love it when it's really salty as well. Um, and that's sort of the thing that I like being here in Omaru where we're only, as I said, we're only 200 meters from the sea. Um, and we get a lot of sea breeze in here and you can, you can taste that following in through, um, as in the whiskey industry itself. Give that a crack. Warbs Harbour in Tassie. Right on the water. Right on the water. Absolutely. Your 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 200 metres, yep. they're 200 mil. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and, and no penguins were harmed <laughs> in the making of, of this. They have a they have a resident penguin colony underneath the distillery. Um, oh, it's yeah. similar to here then. <laughs> so, oh, hold on. We haven't spoken about your penguins. <laughs> so yeah they um yeah the, we we spoke to them recently uh and yeah right on the water um overlooking the um the east coast east coast mission yeah no the west uh sorry yeah, yeah east, east coast, coast. East, yeah, coast. Yeah, yeah. east coast yeah. yeah um of tassie so 
sort of looking at what we've been missing by a long shot. All right. I'll have to try and get my hands on a bottle of that then or yeah. So yeah, yeah, bit of bit of salt and brine in there. Um and yeah, they're going for the maritime certainly the maritime feel. Yeah. Oh cool. All right. Pretty sure they just picked up a fairly significant award recently as well, but Mm. I can't remember where what it was. I'll have to Google again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, going back to the conversation. So, the the, inside the industry, what what sort of excites me in the industry inside New Zealand? It's just the growing industry. Um, You know, I always say, you know, just give it yourself, give it a shot. Um, (laughs) It's about finding money though behind it. That's the big thing. I think there's a lot of home brewers out there. We don't have the same regulations as there in Australia, so you yeah. can be the backyard distiller um, and yeah. you know, do it yourself. Um, does, it, does that impact the industry or the the um, uh, the perception of the industry at all? No, no, not at all. Um, not at all. I, I don't, you know, the. The, the, I've only ever met a handful of um, backyard distillers here in, inside NZ. I mean, it's not like, you know, what you see on the TV from the United States or anything like that, a bunch of people running through they the bush. They always want you to try their product, though. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There, there, there is a few, there is a few uh, that are out there. You know, most of them produce a lot of gin or just, uh, or just a standard spirit um, production, like with vodkas and things. Not a lot of them produce um, produce whiskey, as far as I know. But yeah, what was a cat in the background? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's Todd's. My resident pain in the neck. <laughs> Mark was um, uh, with a warm sample, yet to just one spirit business master award for their portfolio. Very happy little half. <laughs> 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 It's going to take me out. (laughs) So, I mean, uh, yeah, as far as the industry, you know, it's growing here inside New Zealand and it's interesting to talk to new people and see where they're going from. And and it's the amalgamation, I suppose, of all the different, uh, the brewers, the the winemakers and the distillers, you know, know, people blending together to to try and make something that's great. Um, Yeah, there's... There is going to be some more distilleries popping up um, sooner than later, that's for sure. Uh, I've talked to a few people recently about that. In, in the world itself, uh, yeah, I mean, just the, the growing diversity, I suppose, of, of whiskies. There's a never-ending... It's like, you know, being a teenager all over again and listening to your first Led Zeppelin album and going, well, holy shit, what's this about? You know, and then going on and you're finding who, who you know, who Robert Plant and Jimmy Page liked and who they listened to, and then you find another whole arrangement. You just keep on going and going and going, and you can find oh God, more. Now there's Greta Van Fleet. Yeah. Something entirely <laughs> new and yet familiar. Yeah, but he's not trying to sound like uh, Robert Plant, though, remember? Yeah. <laughs> it's what? Uh, Greta Van Fleet. We'll talk off air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've hit the we, we've 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 hit the hour mark, and it's obviously getting late uh, for you over in over in New Zealand. Seeing as you're you're a little bit ahead of us yet, 
you, you, you're knocking shit over. I've got one more critical question that's pressing and has to be answered. asked. What's the question? Who's, who's going to win this weekend? Pardon? Who's going to win this weekend? <laughs> I was that sport? Uh, oh, political question. Uh, <laughs> um, There's no politics there. I'm going to go. I'm going to be very uh, political on this answer. I'm going to say rugby's going to win on the day. <laughs> <laughs> As they say. Yeah. Rugby. It's a great yeah. game. 80 yeah. minutes of people running backwards and forwards up a field. And in the That's end, right. the All Blacks always win. <laughs> well, you'd like to think so, but uh, there's been a few times where we haven't. And I'm pretty sure that last time uh, we uh, the same two teams met under the roof there in Dunedin, um, we didn't come out on top. <laughs> um, so, was that against yeah. Australia? Positive vibes, four for four for um, Eddie Jones. That'd be great. Mm. But we've already got the Players Low Cup. We retained it, so that's the main thing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but that's always a tease. It's like, <laughs> yes, yes, we're going to lose it. We're going to lose it. No, we hold it again. <laughs> year, year after year. Yeah. Oh, um, 21 years. <laughs> 21 really? years. 21 Is years. it even worth having a competition anymore? <laughs> yes. No, I, I believe On the bright side, our excise is higher, so therefore we win. <laughs> or not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or maybe sure. we just lost that one as well. <laughs> uh, I think we very still, much lost still that in the one. Women's Football World Cup. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, didn't do so well on the cricket, so I can't comment on that one. <laughs> Before we wrap up, Crafty, um, you tasted that one. I did. Yeah. The the cabina. Cabana. Yeah. Cabana. Cabana. Right. Cabana. Cabana. It's got an I on Cabina. Cabina. Yeah. Cabana. The rakia. Yeah. Yeah. The rakia. What What do you think? What are your thoughts? Very tasty. I didn't try it. I need to very, I will have a little taste here of it. Very oily and very aromatic. So Reikia is a grape spirit or what what's Reikia? I, I don't know. Reikia is yeah, it's great. It's a grape spirit, isn't it, Michael? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Eastern uh, yeah, East, so Eastern Europe. Eastern European. Yeah. yeah. Very, very Serbia, Croatia yeah. sort of area. Yes. Can't say I drink a lot of it. Can't say I drink. In fact, this is probably the first one I've had in a couple of years, to be honest. So, yeah. Oh wow, that is smooth though. Mm. Yeah, very that's tasty. very smooth. So that's the um, the cabina. Oh great, good enough to give us a little sample. So uh, the cabina, mm -hmm. it's the white one or the clear one. Yeah. Versus the not clear one. <laughs> um. <laughs> Looks well, pretty much clear. <laughs> I don't know. It looks like it's touched a it barrel. It looks like it's touched a barrel slightly. Or dropped on the floor, one of the two. In comparison, look, see, yeah, look, there's okay. definite yeah. colour there. It's one's slightly yellow. What, one's through pasta. Yeah, lost me. That one's called the white. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, something to look out for. We will get them on the podcast at some point. Todd, that's your job. 
Oh, is it? Oh, joy. I've got no idea who they are, and I haven't tasted their spirits, so I would never know. Well, you will, because there's still some left. Uh, on the subject of cricket, a Tassie distillery said uh, they're willing to bowl underarm to beat their New Zealand parent <laughs> at, um, uh, yeah, at the whiskey event uh, next week. Right. And that was my <laughs> No comment. <laughs> well, th thank you. As I said, we've uh, we've 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 hit the hour mark. It's obviously very, quite uh, getting quite late for you, and you've had a big day at a barbecue or a dinner or something or other. Um, thank you. You had, you had a five-hour meeting, poor bugger, and then Pardon? came and listened to bang on. Was that sorry? You started your day with a five-hour meeting, then came on happily came on board and listened to us bang on for an hour. That's right, yes. All, all in the name of whiskey, of course. Yes, of course. Well, we hope you enjoyed it, Michael. I hope you got something out of it. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. No guarantees. I hope the listeners got something out of it. Not yeah, no, it was, it was good, mate. It was yeah, good. It was good. Um, now, I will just very quickly uh, run through our sponsors uh, before we head off. Um, because for those that listen after the fact, I haven't had a chance to put voiceovers over the outro. Yet, which shows a nice little slideshow. So you're just going to get some pretty music for about 40 minutes. Yeah, so 40, it, it's, it's, it's 50 seconds. 40 seconds, all right. 50 seconds. 50 seconds and then... 50 seconds, yeah. Punch it. Yeah. Punch it. So we've got uh, Long Rays. Of course, we've been drinking them today. Uh, the Dark Soda is an absolute cracker. Uh, and I had the Citrus um, yeah. uh, Tonic last night. Which was really, really yummy. And the soda itself is really nice. It is. Um, yes, I just drink it on on its own, and I'm running out. So, James, I'll be hitting you up. Uh, we've also got the uh, Double Please. Whiskey Festival yep. uh, that Crafty Robin, you were a part of. Yeah, Robin Tennille. Yeah, and we'll be having Probably them on as guests very soon. Uh, talking about the festival and from a. Uh, whiskey from a bar perspective. Uh, we've got Andrew Young and oh, the crew over at uh, Wayne Oak Cooperage uh, over in South Australia. Uh, they make barrels. They do indeed. Good barrels. Good wood. Yep. Andrew knows. Long-term sponsors of ours. They are. Yep. Since we've been taking sponsors, Andrew's been there for us. Uh, Mogwai. Yep. Uh, every, all things yeasty business. So, Mogwai, come out to your brewery or your distillery or, I mean, I think I'm making stuff up now, but they take they wrangle, your yeast. They wrangle your they yeast. They wrangle your yeast. Wrangle your yeast. And then, so it's it's your specific... From between your toes. <laughs> yeah. Between your toes, in your caravan... Um, you know, moving right along, everywhere you can get yeast from, culture that Very up, long. and you've got your unique Tawa. flavor. That'd be pretty <laughs> unique, it would be very unique in Crafty's Caravan. Uh, Voyager, Voyager Craft Malt. Um, hope you feel better soon. Uh, Stu. Yep, she's under the weather. And uh, fantastic malts. Save a glass for all your glass needs. And uh, if you like uh, gin, of, as of course we all do, 
uh, jump on to the Australian Gin Appreciation Society Facebook group and uh, you'll get a whole heap of good ideas and um, uh, recommendations and you can share your, 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 your drink photos and stuff. Uh, Chris, late to the show. I really enjoyed your stock when I tried it in Perth at the whiskey show. The I'm not going to pronounce that. I'm a Ruvian. I'm a Ruvian. Yeah. I'm a Ruvian. I'm a Ruvian. There you go. The Omaruvian was delicious. I told you that earlier today. Omaru, Timaru, Waipakarau. Now you know where it is. I just heard noises. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I heard. Just noises. Uh, uh, hold on, now we're fighting. Yep, amazing drop. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Please like and subscribe before... Oh, fuck. Hold on. <laughs> Forget. One of the more important parts. Please uh, buy this book. It is fantastic. Uh, Shootingtheshit.com.au is the only place that you can get it in both Australia and New Zealand. Zealand. Story of Jim McEwen, Master of Distiller. It's it's a big book. It's a good <laughs> read. It's got it's got words and it's got photos. Um, <laughs> And it's fascinating. So, if you've, and if you've ever heard Jim McEwen actually speaking, it is when you read it, it is like you're you're hearing him speak it to you. It's, yeah, it's a like, very easy read. It's like it's like reading or listening to something in uh, David Attenborough's voice or Morgan <laughs> Freeman or something. You you really get the feel for it. So uh, that it's is in more, a Scottish accent. In, in a Scottish accent, yeah. Uh, sorry, Jim McEwen. Uh, you buy that from uh, Aussie Craft Distillers, Shooting the Shit, uh, shootingtheshit.com.au, which is flashed up on the screen right now. Please do. Um, awesome. Yeah. Plug done. Plug done. Plug done. Please also like, subscribe, and all that other stuff down at the bottom of the screen, apparently. Yeah, apparently it helps us. I'm not entirely sure, but. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. Uh, thank you all, and uh, here come the fifty seconds of uh, of credits. Please hang around, Michael. Don't go anywhere. <laughs>